from the crypt. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy Marty Bent. It's a Thursday night here in Manhattan, and we have been relegated to the merch closet, Barstool Sports. We've got our Zoom 6 hookup with a couple bikes. Um, uh, we're, we're doing it raw and dirty today. I sort of like it. I like this vibe. we got like a glass, a glass wall here. We're sort of in a fishbowl. People watching us with mics in our hands probably have no idea what we're talking about. I'm very excited for tonight. I've been following this man on Twitter for a while. Luckily, I caught him in town while uh, while he was in town from Austin, Texas. Uh, some of you might know him uh, if you're on if you're on crypto Twitter. He tweet, he puts out a lot of good shit. I'd like to introduce you all to Matt Odell. Matt, welcome to the podcast. How's it going, freaks? Glad to be here. Gotta love the crypto Twitter. That's where I found Marty as well. It's a great place, you know. It's uh, it's an interesting forum. I think Twitter is the best communication tool ever created. It's the perfect platform when did for you Bitcoin. When did you get into Twitter? Well, I signed up in like 2009. But when did I get really? into crypto Twitter? Crypto Twitter. Yeah, crypto Twitter. Crypto Twi- Twitter I played around with in, you know, 2013, 2014. But it really wasn't that big of a deal until maybe this year. Yeah, back then it was all traders. Late 2016, maybe. Yeah, I think I I was like a a silent observer on crypto Twitter for like four years. Right, yeah. sat in the background. I look back. I have like a couple tweets from like 2013, 2014 that no one interacted with. I got like two likes on. Yeah, if you go back, I've got some 2014 tweets that were basically just like wired articles talking about Bitcoin. I was like, hey. Everybody should read this, but I, n- I didn't really have anything pertinent to say back in the day. The, be- the best crypto Twitter, tweet, crypto Twitter tweet of all time was Hal Finney's, Hal uh, Finney's. running Bitcoin. Just he, uh, The first tweet about Bitcoin ever, Hal Finn, at Hal Finn, rest in peace. Um, it was like January. I think that was, right, that was the day he got the first Bitcoin transaction. So January 10th, 2009. Was the first ever Bitcoin tweet was by Hal Finney. Was it that early? I think so. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So we have you in uh, the merch closet on a very interesting day. We got we got Bitcoin tanking. We got ETH- Ethereum tanking below 400 for the first time in a while. Uh, Bitcoin fell below 7,000 for a little bit. We're hovering around 7.2 right now. Um, but yeah, a lot of uh, frothy <laughs> markets right now. Who even knows where the price is going to be when? Uh you finally release this. When are you going to release like four days from now? Yeah, next Five Tuesday. Five days from next now? Next Tuesday. So we could be anywhere. We could be anywhere. We're, I mean, I don't want to make you make a prediction, but would you predict up or down? Are we going to be able to? Well, we're right now we're at like 7,100, right? 718. Let's go with down and then up. Let's, we'll be at like 7,300 when this airs. But we're gonna go down first. Okay, you heard it here first. We need some. We need some capitulation. We need a nice hard pain. One thing I really want to get into tonight. Uh, you said you had a druggy friend initially, like yeah. get you into it. What, like, convinced you? Like, so, well, so he was going to college. Yeah, and he had a buddy who was buying stuff on the Silk Road. And I mean, I remember that kid probably had like, he had thousands of bitcoins. And he spent it all on drugs or whatever, you know, <laughs> before, I be, before it even became anything. But um, then I had a nerd. I had a nerd friend who told me to look at it again. And that's, that's and, and I also, I just, from an economics point of view, from a social point of view, 
I see the value in that. I see the value in a sovereign sovereign money that's that's separate from any nation state that can't be seized, can't be blocked. Um, I, I come from a from a real estate background, and you know we get checks bounced on us a lot. I have to deal with banks a lot. I have to deal with regulations a lot, and I I see the frictionlessness. That's <laughs> if that's a word. I, I frictionlessness. I think I think that's what we'll word. go with it. I'll go with it. I saw that frictionless right away. nature. Frictionless nature. I would say, and and just hit all the boxes. It hit everything. And I was a tech geek at the same time, and so it hit. It just hit every single box that I was interested in. Politics too, kind of. And then I was just in the rabbit hole. There was just no looking back. It's just taken over my life since then. It's funny how it does that, right? Like everybody who gets sucked in to a certain extent, like never like. Very rarely do you hear about people who just like get into this, and then there's very few Mike Hearns. I feel like that just rage quit and stop thinking about it. Maybe Mike Hearns is still thinking about it. Mike Hearns was the best rage quit of all time. <laughs> Where's R three today? That's my question. Didn't they just make an announcement that yeah, they did? They came out of like nowhere and made that random announcement. But I, was it even that big of a deal? I don't. I, I, don't I think they basically said that like we, because like all the banks that initiated with them said this is not going to work because the banks can't get together and they can't coordinate and because they can't trust each other and that's the beauty of bitcoin it's like you don't trust anyone you just compete against each other it's greed and it makes it work let's dive into that this technology is very confrontational with the traditional finance and the traditional world that we're used to so this is a good segue into the china fud that's been going around recently so like china recently uh, China FUD has happens like five times a year. <laughs> so the recent, the most recent China FUD is they're they're going to start banking or clamping down on exchanges again. But I found it particularly interesting this week that they made an announcement or hinted at an announcement uh, because this is the same week in which futures con- oil futures contracts priced in yuan, the Chinese yuan, went live for the first time. So. Uh, this has been a theory for for a while that China would like the yuan to be the reserve currency of the world. They would like to usurp the U.S. dollar as a reserve currency of the world. And one huge step that a nation needs to take uh, on that path is getting other countries to purchase oil in their native currency as opposed to the U.S. dollar. So China this week has opened up futures markets and other markets through which people can buy oil with the yuan which is a shot across the U.S. dollar's bow saying, hey, coming for that ass. Like, we want to be the world's reserve currency. And I think this has been a long con. Like, I wrote about today in the newsletter. I think this has been a long con, like, decades long con that China's been playing. Um, And the black swan event that is Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies is sort of throwing a wrench into that, that, uh, that long con that they've been playing. And they're starting to realize, like, holy shit, our long con's about to get messed up because of these cryptocurrencies, so we're going to need to clamp down. And so we're entering, potentially, I don't know, can't say for certain, but we may be entering the then-they-fight-you phase with governments in particular. What will be most interesting to see going forward is who ends up on what side of the argument from a government perspective, who's open to having blockchain innovation in their country and letting people letting the free market run and who's going to try and clamp down on it. And uh, it just adds these, this technology adds another layer to the 
geopolitical game theory that's been going on for millennia. Thoughts? Is there a question? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. No. Um, so, but, yeah, so, I guess the question is, is like, what is the impact on Bitcoin? Not even that, but like, are we answering the then they fight you phase? Like, do you think we're going to have like strong backlash from certain countries? The first key thing that people don't realize is that fiat, the fiat system is 40 years old. You know, we were on the gold standard. Then we switched to fiat in the 70s. U.S. dollar became the dominant global currency. This is all that's that's very, very recent it's a in drop terms in the of bucket. history. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, of course, I think I think the U.S. This is just another example of the U.S. dollar waning. Um, I think it's going to be short lived. I think that um, I mean, I'm a huge Bitcoin believer. So, I mean, they should be pricing no. this stuff in Bitcoin. <laughs> um I think China's biggest worry about Bitcoin is the capital flight, is the capital controls. They have really strong capital controls. They're in a, you know, authoritative regime. And they they want they want the easiest way to control your people is to control their money. If they can't if if they go against you and they lose their money, they're not going to go against you, right? Yeah, what's that um is that a Rothschild's quote? I care not who writes the laws, just give me the ability to print the money. No, I'm not sure, but that's a great quote if it's real. It is. It is. And he's right if that's a real quote. Yeah. Um, but uh, so that's what's so powerful about Bitcoin is that is that you can't is is that it takes that it takes that control from them. And the first places you see that are the places that have outward capital controls like, uh, you know, like uh, China. China is a perfect example. Uh, Venezuela. Venezuela, it's like really hard to get U.S. dollars in Venezuela, and they also have super high hyperinflation, right? Um, so it was really, and they have cheap oil, so it was like r really cheap gas, really easy to you know run generators, mine for a loss, uh, loss everywhere else, but there you're you're mining for gain, and um, those are the places we see it first. But in America, we have very very strong controls as well. It's it just it's just not to the level of China. And people don't really realize it yet. You know, my friends, they love Venmo. They, they don't realize that every transaction is being tracked, that they don't really have control of their money. They, they just they, their eyes haven't been open to that, you know, but the Chinese, they realize that. Yeah, I think our our first sort of brush with that realization was when uh, the U.S. sanctioned WikiLeaks in particular and stopped allowing people to donate via PayPal. And, uh, and the other one was. Not that I support this, you know, but but online gambling, um, all the fuck it. People all, should be able to gamble. All the, you know, I. All all the online gaming, all the online sports books, all got the way they blocked it was Visa and Mastercard and the banks. They said you can't transfer. They didn't actually make it. I'm pretty sure they never made it illegal. They just said they just stopped the financial institutions from doing the withdrawals and the deposits. It's like a perfect example. Um, of that, WikiLeaks is a is another is another example, regardless of how you feel about it politically. Um, but I, I think I think the clearer examples are more obvious in other parts of the world. You know, in the the Iran and the the Chinas and the Venezuelas and the Russias, and those governments actually have a lot of value in it too. I mean, I was talking about the other day. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. Well, I tweeted that there was no doubt in my mind that Venezuela was had a state-run mining op. Oh, well, there was an Instagram video of it, wasn't there? 
Did you see that? I did. He tweeted under me the Instagram video, and then I had multiple people send me other stuff that they didn't want me to post that was like, it's really, really mature there. Like, they have they have great operations for yeah. miners at, at state-run mining. They have great operations. Well, they confiscated mining. all the fucking hardware from I'm pretty the sure the Petro is just like a nice little cash grab that's separate from the real plan. The real plan is you take the sanctioned oil and you turn it into Bitcoin. You mine with it. And, and you can have... I, I said this um, back in 2013. I said, we're going to have the way mining is going is it's always going to trend to zero to a loss because there's going to be people around the world that would prefer to have the anonymity and the pureness that comes from the mining rewards because you yeah. can mine anonymously relatively easily mm -hmm. and no one can stop you. Yeah. Like as long as you have electricity and internet and you cover yourself and you're following consensus, you're good. Yeah. And, and, and then you get these nice, fresh, fresh anonymous Bitcoin those people are going to be willing to mine at a loss. So it's going to trend towards, you know, towards zero, towards negative. And that's fine. That's just how it is. That's a, that's a good segue into another conversation. Does one Bitcoin truly equal one Bitcoin or some... Or, fungibility. Yeah, fungibility. That's my biggest worry. Or other Bitcoins more valuable also, than others. It also bridges why I think altcoins aren't horrible. I think... I mean, I'm a huge free market believer. Mm -hmm. So I think that... If you believe in Bitcoin, you think it's the strongest chain, which I, I think it's the most secure chain, the strongest chain, the most likely to survive, um, has the greatest properties, then, and you're a free market believer, then you shouldn't have any worries about altcoins, except for the fact that there's scammers that are, that are pushing certain altcoins that really have zero value prop, something like Verge, that they pretend is anonymous and is actually not anonymous at all. Um, yeah, that that pre presents an issue to the end user who's buying it, but as the actual Bitcoin holder yourself, that's not a threat to us. Um, fungibility in Bitcoin is the biggest concern we have today. It was the biggest concern before we had the scaling debate. It's the biggest concern after we had the scaling debate. People do not realize how transparent the blockchain is, how easy it is to track. And this goes back to our other conversation about holding the forks. If you sell Bitcoin, you are adding another element for the government or some malicious entity to be able to track the different transactions because they see it comes from the address. So now they say, okay, Marty, Marty sold Bitcoin here, came from this address. Now we know Marty controlled that address. And then they keep adding all these different info points and they're able to get a better idea. And I think the future is probably will end up, especially if we don't have well key privacy improvements soon. What about what about plausible deniability? So that example in particular, you just said that like if well, where did it come from? If you sold it, well, exactly plausible deniability. It, so if I let's say somebody had Bitcoin on a Trezor hardware wallet and just randomly got my Coinbase address somehow. And they sent me Bitcoin randomly. And I was like, fuck. I just woke up to some coin bit cause some Bitcoin in my Coinbase account and sold it. Like I didn't ask anybody to send it to me. Like there's a can you make that argument like, yes, obviously like you like in the scenario that you outlaid, 
like, yes, what if I actually did send that Bitcoin from my Trezor to Coinbase? But do I have a, is there a case to be made that if the government were to come after me, which I, well, like, that it could get to that point. Something. It could get to that point where it's like, unless you physically find the private keys on me, like some random person could have just sent me that Bitcoin. Right, man. but let, let's forget, this is a global society, right? So let's forget about America for a second. Let's pretend you're in China, right? And you're trying to hide the fact that you own coins, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, it's a push system, so I guess you have that little bit of plausible deniability. Do I think we should rely on that? Like, no, I don't think we should rely on that. Yeah, I think, ideally, fungibility right, would be ideally. pristine. It, we have, like, the most basic little bit of fungibility going on here because of plausible deniability. But the thing is, the thing that I worry about is the government says to you, okay, we want you, you know, when you report everything, we want you to give us all the addresses you have. And if they audit you, they're going to come in and they're going to say, give us everything. Give us all your documents. Give us every single transaction you've ever made, all the addresses you ever made. And they're just going to assume you're guilty. Especially, there's certain governments around the world that are just going to assume you're guilty. This is America. You're innocent until proven right. guilty. Right. All we'll right. see about that. But I'm saying is we, we need privacy. We need privacy now. And the good thing is SegWit was kind of like a backdoor privacy. How so? Um, because it, it enables a lot of layer two privacy solutions mm-hmm. like Tumblebit. And uh, it makes join market better, I'm pretty sure. And uh, Nopara, I don't know what his actual name is. He just goes by Nopara. Yeah. He has a zero link that he's coming out yeah. with. But anyway, all these things are because we fix transaction malleability. Yeah. So, so it's really important. Yeah. And so what Matt's basically describing there is what uh, what has been called mixers. Mixers in the well, no, in the past, mixers were centralized though. Yes, so right, this like is they just closed BitMixer uh, about like eight months ago. I actually interviewed that guy back in like 2013. It was fucking badass. But let's let's explain what a mixer is for users or our listeners that might not know what a mixer is. So a mixer is a service that you use to sort of make your coins anonymous by sending it to you send it to an address that sort of jumbles it up with yeah. other UTXOs and you get random ones sent back. Yeah, basically to you send it to a guy and that guy sends you someone else's coins. Yeah. Right, and, and then uh, all of a sudden, there's no link in the blockchain. Exactly. Um, and Bitmixer was like kind of advanced. Like they had like you could do delay times and stuff, and they had like a market maker function that if you sent them Bitcoin, they would pay you interest on it, like part of the fees and stuff. Yeah. But it was centralized. Um, and the key is to have, the key with Bitcoin is one of the value props is that it's completely transparent. So it's nice that that transparency exists. So the key is opt in. Super privacy believers, especially like the Monero crowd, want full privacy. They want everyone to use privacy because you increase the an- anonymity set. So it, it, it gives you better privacy. And and that does have its place. And we will have privacy coins that you'll be able to probably switch into um, that will give you like a way bigger anonymity set. But with Bitcoin, we just need good enough, I think, because you want to have transparency you want to have opt-in you want to have transparency when you want to have transparency and you want to have privacy when you have privacy um but that is that is definitely like the best argument would you call it altcoins because they're experimenting with it for us yeah and we don't have to do any of that like we can just let z like zcash can't scale but like we're learning real world things about zk snarks (laughs) right now that we wouldn't have learned otherwise if that didn't exist that's true I'm not a big fan of Zcash. Oh, I'm huge. I mean, you can't launch a privacy coin post-Snowden 
<laughs> in America with corporate investors. Like, right? they'll throw you in jail. Exactly. The Zuku literally, and I have so much respect for him. He was he was so early. He's like he's a cypherpunk, I think. Like I'm not, I'm not even gonna I say don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I, he definitely is a cypherpunk. He's but one like, of the OGs. Like he's OG before people called people OGs. You know, like like they're calling people. OG, they're calling me an OG. I'm not an OG. You know, I I got involved in 2013 is when I bought my first Bitcoin. You know, I got involved in 2012, but I bought my first Bitcoin in 2000. I'm not an OG. Zuku's an OG. He was he was debating with Satoshi. You know about about how to do things, but he's naive. And and naivety is a liability in this industry, and you can't launch a privacy coin in America. They're going to say to you, the wanna cry people are using this, pedophiles are using this, drug dealers are using this, and they're going to either throw you in jail, or you're going to cooperate. Yeah, those are going to be the two the two ways to handle it. What sketches me out the most when that trusted setup was that that journalist phone who got hacked during during the trusted setup. And the whole thing was like very charady. Right? You know? Yeah, so that's like that was one um, conversation that I saw going on on Twitter today was that like a lot of people think these these um privacy coins and like things like open bazaar as well are sort of honeypots and these dark markets are like honeypots for for people to sort of expose themselves as buying shady shit like drugs and other illegal uh, I think it's I think it's important that we keep the narrative that privacy is like super important. Yes, it's very uh, important that everyday people need privacy. Like I don't want to pay someone and them to see all my payments and yes, see what's going on. Exactly. And I'm optimistic in America. More optimistic. Th- I actually I sent out like a jinx tweet, which I hope I didn't jinx us. Where I was like, I'm pretty sure we've passed the point of no return of Bitcoin getting banned because so many rich people in America are buying it. And, and the, the, the way the, the attitude in America seems so positive that if you need a global response to ban Bitcoin at this point, yeah, you, need, you need governments to act. Yeah. In a, and if you don't have America on board, you have no global response. Right. So I, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I think. I think our political system is too entrenched in its ways right now. I don't think they're so easily going to give up. Uh, no, but they. But the thing is, they have to do a. Posi- they have to do like in like uh, an active action, right? They have to do a positive action. They have to actually ban it. They have to go out of their way to like coordinate with governments around the world to all at the same time go after this thing. Yeah. And that's never gonna. They can't even pass a budget, you know. So, <laughs> They can. Um, they just have to sneak a couple and, of privacy. And we have rich supporters. We have the Peter Thiels, right? You know, mm-hmm. we have the uh, Jack Dorseys. So, and then we have futures. So you can't. I think. I think at this point. So my two biggest concerns was government, government action, and the other thing was upgrading. And we have the upgrades through hard forks. If we need an upgrade, you hard fork it. The market will decide that's more valuable. Not worried about that. And then, and then government action. I don't think America is going to lead the charge here. And if you don't have America leading the charge, then you have a bunch of disparate governments all trying to fight it, but at the same time dealing with regulatory arbitrage and 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 trying not to miss out on the next the next big thing and the next big tax tax money they can make. And and I I just don't I don't see that happening. I think we've. Yeah, the, well, that's. That I'm ready. You that know, touches I'm ready on. To give my jinx statement. <laughs> Don't monkey foot us. Don't monkey foot us. Well, we're, you know, right now we're, you know, maybe under 7,000. I'm not sure. We're so getting it's like close. We're at 7,050. 
Um, we were under before. We, we were. But this brings this brings us back to the point I was trying to or I was talking about earlier where the shit this technology has thrown such a wrench into the geopolitical game theory that has been going on for centuries that you literally have to recalibrate like the, the prisoner's dilemma for this 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 global uh, game theory that's playing out. So this just adds another variable where it's like, all right, maybe ideally the U.S. government wouldn't want Bitcoin to succeed, but if China wants to bring it down and there's an opportunity for an industry to be created here because China shuts it down, then that opens up uh, another opportunity for America in particular, and maybe they'll be more open to Bitcoin. But at the same time, they'd have to be open to like, Hey, we don't have control of the money supply. Like, is that is that something that these governments are willing to give up? Like, is there one, like, is there one crutch between all these governments that hate each other that would make them like agree? Where it's like, all right, we should probably shut this down so we have control of our of our constituency to a certain extent. You know, what I'm waiting for. What I'm waiting for is the first government. To announce that they've been accumulating Bitcoin for their for their reserves, and it's probably going to be North Korea. No, it's well that wouldn't help us. I'm, maybe Japan. I'm thinking Japan G20, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, if you it's a self fulfilling prophecy. You accumulate five percent of your reserves, and then you announce it to the world. Automatic price increase, right? The incentive. It's all about incentives, right? We go on about it all the time. It's all about the incentives. The incentives are set up right now for governments to embrace it. Well, we got our boy Chiefy, Chiefy Nundum. He's he's down in Africa trying to convince their central banks to to allocate at least one percent of their reserves to Bitcoin. And he came out this week and said he's more confident than he was when he made his prediction in the or not his prediction, his goal in the beginning of the year to. To uh to get an African central bank to buy some Bitcoin as part of their reserve inventory, um, he came out. I believe it was earlier this week that he's he's more confident than he was at the beginning of the year that he will be successful in that endeavor. And I would love to see that fucking an, an African central. That's bank. not. I don't think that's a self fulfilling prophecy because well, like, no one really cares that much if like a random African country starts starts doing. If a Japan starts doing it. It's like a whole different level. If yeah, South so it's Korea definitely doing, a different it's like level. A whole different level. Definitely a different level. Definitely a different level. But I don't think the African countries should be doing it right now, and I think a lot of countries are doing it behind the scenes. Like Venezuela is doing it right now. Iran is probably doing it right now. Russia is probably doing it right now. And the thing is, these countries have nothing to lose. They literally they're getting battered with sanctions, or in Africa's case, they're just not doing well they've been right they've been served the shit under the stick for centuries. constantly and so they have nothing to lose you might as well put some of it in you know and and then if you announce it well i mean if iran or venezuela and like that doesn't help at all that probably hurts us a little bit which is good that they haven't formally announced it um i don't know though. but you create like a chain reaction where everyone's sca- fomo you have fomo on a global scale but with I think, countries, but I think that FOMO states. could be emerging from emerging markets. Sure, as well. sure. I think absolutely. It could be. I don't think you need developed the but developed if I was economies. Them, if I was like a small African country, I would just be slowly accumulating dollar cost average that shit. Just just keep accumulating, and you know, worst comes to worst, you write it off. You know, if 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 we're wrong, 
if we're wrong, you know, you lose some money. If we're right, game changer. Yeah. Complete game changer. This is something that I, what are what are the what's the probability that we're wrong? What would you put it at? Matt Corallo, when I had him on the podcast, he, at, he's a really humble dude. Though. Three months ago, I love Matt Corallo. Yeah, like uh, he's actually might be my first repeat guest. I was talking to him last week, but he put the success of Bitcoin at five percent when he was on. It's absolutely first of all, it's absolutely amazing the quality of guests you got like right in the beginning. <laughs> like that's why you like hit our crypto Twitter by storm was you know you started with Pierre. You just had you just had great guests, you know, and you have a great lineup coming up. I mean, I'm not even trying. I think I'm one of the weaker guests, you know. That like that's how good your guests. Matt, don't was. undersell yourself. Um, follow me at Matt Odell. Anyway, um, what were you talking about besides that? I, I was saying like so. Matt Matt came in here. He's a core developer. He's oh right, five percent. No, five percent chance. I think the two key things are the U.S. embrace. Mm-hmm. See, Matt Matt is you know. He's a scientist. Yeah, you know, he's got to be a, pessimistic. Like, he's got to think of every attack vector. You never say absolutes, you know, because you can't defend absolutes. You mm-hmm. can't do. The thing is, with the hard forks, I think we've shown that Bitcoin can. Any kind of minute upgrade, any kind of minute upgrade um, can be done on Bitcoin with a hard fork, and the market will value it in. And then and 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 that will that that chain will win. Um, I for that reason I don't think I think like Litecoin is way overvalued. I think that's an overpriced testnet. I think Bitcoin Cash is way well. overvalued. I think all these chains that are minute differences from Bitcoin. Um, I think ETC is way overvalued compared to ETH. I think because because if you have an ETH fork now. Or if you have a Bitcoin fork now, it dilutes the previous fork. It hmm. changes, it, it makes it so that fork doesn't matter as much because there's a new fork. If you had if you had a Bitcoin fork, right? So like, let's say, what is Litecoin's hedge? Litecoin's hedge right now is SHA-256 is bad, right? Yeah. But SHA-256, the reason SHA-256 might be bad as a POW algo, that's why we're talking about SHA-256, is because Bitmain controls... The miners, right? Not for long. I'm, right, I d- not for long. I s- hey, Miles Suter from SquareCast, shout out Miles. There he just go. posted a tweet. Uh, he just got his Helen. Oh, miner. he got it? He got it. Oh, He's so now Cobra or whoever that is behind that uh, that name can't keep saying it. He really can't. Anyway, the point is, is that um, the reason LTC exists is because, first of all, they said it was ASIC resistant, which it isn't. Right, so now they have ASICs. The failure mode is that Bitmain somehow uh, Bitmain decides to shoot themselves in the foot, and ex- they're probably about fifty percent right now, if not a little bit more, which has always been troubling, but is less troubling now than it was six months ago. I've gone into this a few episodes in the past. Like, what do people fucking expect? Nobody else was taking that right, risk. right? Exactly, and they're like, going to get outcompeted, and it's going. But the thing is, they haven't made a move. Right? They're too scared to make a move. The Bitcoin Cash was like a really bold move by them, and it was part of the way that they thought they could control the market, and it's part of the reason they're... We'll get into that later. The LTC, the whole main reason for Litecoin is is that it uses a different uh, POW algo than than Bitcoin. I mean, you have the you have l- the blocks are quicker or whatnot, but that's all... At the end, that's all bullshit. Um, if 
Bitmain and, and Associates, they control the script mining hash rate too. So if you had a new Bitcoin, if, if we had an issue, you would have good developers, they would come, they would switch the POW. If they wanted, they could switch the block time to two and a half minutes if for some reason they really even cared about that. Raise the block size. They made the exact same specs as Litecoin yeah. in a disaster situation and forked it. That fork would be worth more than Litecoin. Litecoin is not a hedge to Bitcoin for that reason. Yeah, Same with Bitcoin Cash. You can just create a fork right now. That's well, eight me- megabytes, you know. Pushing against that narrative, though. like Bi- POW. But, like, Bitcoin Private didn't attain. But the difference is that was a straight scam fork, and people realized. And the market yeah. was actually, you know, Nick, I was, I was talking to Nick Carter about that before it happened. And we were talking about the efficiency of markets, and he said to me, he's like, He's like, if this market is actually efficient, they're pricing Bitcoin private at between fifteen and thirty dollars. Um, he's more number guy than me. I said Bitcoin private isn't going to be worth shit. You know, he told he said fifteen to thirty, boom, thirty dollars. It was like super efficient. <laughs> it was exactly where it was supposed to be. Um, it's a scam fork. It, it, but if we had like a legitimate privacy fork mm-hmm. by legitimate devs. With no bullshit pre because Bitcoin Private pretended they didn't have a pre mine, but what they did was they bought Z Classic and then they said that all Z Classic owners would get a one to one Bitcoin Private airdrop as well as Bitcoin own- owners. So what's the Z Classic supply? It was like three million. All right, so they have like a twenty four million dollar. Basically, what they did was basically what they did was they said it, it would have been the same thing as them saying we're changing the name of Z Classic to Bitcoin Private. And anyone who owns Bitcoin gets one, right? It's the same concept. So what's the but supply? Instead, is it they said they're million? combining the two. Is it twenty-four million? Is it it's 21? nineteen? Nineteen? It's sixteen plus three. Like, but what's their final? I don't even know. I didn't even look into that. It doesn't even like, matter because it's not going to be here in five years. So, the thing is, do blockchains die though? That's no, they never question. fully die. They, they never fully. They're going to be like cents. We still have Blackcoin. You know, it's like <laughs> Bryce Wiener's bullshit. You know, proof of stake coin. Zeta coin. From like, uh, the crazy thing is we've come full circle. Now Bryce Wiener's calling out scammers, which is like pretty fucking cool. That's, um, uh, but I'm never going to give him any credit. So actually take that back. Yeah. Bryce is a very, very interesting, interesting character. He pumped a lot of the shit coins in there in the first. And now he's like running around saying like, told you they're all scams, you know? Yeah. Whatever happened to Zeta coin? Yeah, exactly. Black coin. Black coin was the one that I always... I don't know. There's and Razor, and there's a bunch. Dirac. Yeah, he was he was the original altcoin spammer. Yeah. Um, I think the market has a way of working itself out. It just takes a little while, especially in these kind of markets. That's what I think peop- is fucking people up. Actually, is that this is this arena is the purest market that the world has We've experienced never had it. in decades or centuries potentially. It's never exi- we have a pure free market pretty much. We have as close to a pure free market that we've ever had. Right. You know, there's no cutoffs. It's 24 seven. There's no breakers. They're not going to stop things there. You know, is this people p- don't get prosecuted. Is this the purest free market we've ever had as a civilization? What else is there? there hasn't been anything I else. I think I mean, yeah, nothing close. You'd have to. Yeah, you'd have to go way back to that's like, why. Exactly. That's why I have, you know. Bitcoin maximalism, the term was created by Vitalik. <laughs> yep. And the thing is, Vitalik, is that we. He listens to this podcast. So Does he's he really? No. Fuck no. I, don't, I, I hope was going to say. <laughs> I hope he's worrying about other things. No, I mean, I kind of <laughs> hope he I kind of hope he listens to it. He should, like, you know, expand his horizons a little bit. 
You can um, come on whenever, Vitalik. If you're listening, Vitalik, follow me. If you're in New York, you know, swing by, swing by the office. I believe in the value of altcoins and the fact that they help figure out what we want to. Like, I think Bitcoin's a black hole. It will suck in anything that is more beneficial. It, it's not going to let the network is not going to let something overtake it. I don't think. I mean. Just again, just going back to the incentives of the system. There's so, it's so perfect. The game theory of the system is so perfect that it'll get to a point where everybody's hands forced. It's like, all right, if we don't do this, we're gonna lose. No, oh, the beauty is the simplicity. Well, exactly. Well, you it can, just works. Yeah, you can. I mean, sim- you can find perfection in simplicity in some some extent. You can trust it without trusting it. Exactly, but <sighs> I will stand up for. Uh, no, I'm not even. Uh, it's not a hill worth dying on. The thing is... Is it? The thing is... Okay, so like... Is what if so you're right Charlie, at the end? I will give Charlie... I give Charlie so much shit. Charlie you know? Lee, founder of uh, Litecoin. Oh, yeah. I just assume if I say Charlie, you just know who I'm talking about. It's the guy with like a million followers. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's done some questionable shit. He pumped... You know, the most recent one is he pumped LightPay. Which was like honestly, it was like a non-story. Even if he it just existed, had to, he just had to step back from that. Yeah, even if it existed, that's whatever. He sold the top, you know. Um, he worked for Coinbase and got it added to Coinbase, and then pumped it, and then left Coinbase. You know, like that's all questionable shit. Then he sold the top, but um, he recently said with Nano. Do you know what Nano is? Rival. It used to be Rayblox, right? He said with Nano, he's like, it's really cool tech because. The transactions are free and instant. The only issue is centralization. Like, that is the key <laughs> freaking issue. You know, like, are you kidding me, Charlie? And he tweets that out to a million people. Like, that is that is super, super questionable. Like, Ricardo, on the other hand, he's telling people, don't buy Monero. Right? Yeah. He's, like, telling... he's He answers trolls with, like, technical answers. Yeah. You know, like, he's a good maintainer. He's a good actor. There's so many bad actors to attack. He's not one. And he's he's a Bitcoin believer. He loves Bitcoin. You know, he owns a lot of Bitcoin. I would argue that he's... I think. I would argue that he's working on Monero so hard to benefit Bitcoin in the long run. I think so, yeah. Um, and the only altcoin that I've ever given credence to and, and legitimacy to is Monero in the fact that it has an anonymous creator. Like, I am under the volition that the shit has to be completely grassroots organic like you can't have like a ripple corporation like launching it oh my god don't even get me started it's gotta be it's gotta be an anonymous creator it's gotta be sort of grassroots where people are just like naturally drawn to it you don't have to you don't have need marketing like there's a lot of rumors going around that some people not going to name names were paying people to go to bitcoin meetups on behalf of ethereum and like Oh really? Before it was even launched, like people. I didn't hear about that one. I've I've heard those rumors, and I can't I can't validate them, but there are rumors going around that that some people within Ethereum were paying people to go to meetups to pump it. There's plenty of reasons and to think that was a scam, regardless. In of my that. Yes, but in my mind, that's just like just going back to heuristics. That's not. It's not organic. It's not organic. It's something that's forced, and I feel like anything in this space has to be truly emergent, and it it has to it has to it has to draw people in like by pure fascination, not by marketed and uh, manufactured fascination. 
at the end of the day, the key value prop is censorship resistance. Exactly. You know, um, I said I said the other day, you know, Square Cash now gives us a layer two. I smiled. You guys can't see that. Um, it gives us a layer two network that has free instant transactions. Square Cash? With no privacy. Yeah, you send your Bitcoin to Square Cash, just switch it into Square Dollars. I don't think you can send to Can you not send you it to people? You can't send the cash. I think you can because didn't I saw like a meme online of people videoing it back. I don't do that. I use Venmo if I'm going to send like traditional payments. Yeah, I mean you could send I don't think you can send you can't Bitcoin. Send me, you can't send Bitcoin. No, but you can send me dollars, right? I can send you dollars. Then right, you and then I can convert Bitcoin. it into Bitcoin, yes, right? That. So you can send me a no-fee instant transaction through Square Cash. You deposit the Bitcoin into it. You send it to me, and then you send it back, right? Yeah. And then I switch it back into Bitcoin. Yes. That's a no-fee instant Bitcoin transaction, kind of. I would argue yes. Yes. Right? Yes. If you don't care about privacy well, and censorship the fee, The fee would right? be... <laughs> The fee is either positive or negative depending Converting on the it. price change while you're doing it. But it should counteract both sides. But yeah. But the point is, is you don't care about censorship, resistance, and privacy, right? No. And that's what you're paying for. That's the whole value prop. The whole value prop is that, is that people can't seize, block, or ideally track you. I mean, they, the, the, biggest, the biggest issue I have with Bitcoin fungibility is that if we don't fix it, like, they don't have to track you now. They can track you in 10 years. Yeah. Because the ledger is all there, right? So we need to fix it soon. Um, I think it should be, like, a big priority, but we need we need to fix it soon. But anyway, any chain that prioritizes low-fee transactions <laughs> is, is at the detriment of the health of their own network. So eventually, they're going to end up in a situation where they have an unsustainable network with very small node count, with very centralized validators, and why does low fee mean low node count? Because if you have no fee, then you can't stop spam. And if you can't stop, so basically, the fee is what stops someone from just sending infinite Bitcoin transactions. So on on Nano, for instance, let's talk about Nano because Nano is no fee, and Charlie pumped it. <laughs> so on Nano, I can just send to Marty. All like if I bought nano, I could just buy some nano, I buy a thousand nano, and then just every second I send Marty a nano for no fee. And then every second Marty sends me back a nano for no fee. Right? That mm -hmm. costs us nothing. We have the same amount of nano. We could just do that forever. Just sending it back and forth, having a fun time going, let's go Bitcoin, you know? And just it comes back and forth. And every node has to record all those transactions, right? And what happens is it gets super expensive. It gets expensive to run a node. And then next thing you know, there's less and less nodes. And then all of a sudden, if you only have four or five people or 10 people or 20 people validating these things because they're the only ones running nodes because it gets so expensive, then that's all it takes is 20 police raids and you take down the whole network, right? Exactly. So low fees encourage blockchain bloat. To an extent. And and then which encourages centralization. Yes. Which leads to a non censorship resistant environment. Exactly. So this is like second order situations that people really don't think through when they're investing in all coins. But the thing with nano in particular, what's the thing with them that you run your own blockchain and they just like I don't know, that's up? all bullshit. The the point is <laughs> the point is is that they have like these delegates. 
that are doing delegate proof of stake and over 51% of them are controlled by the nano team right now. Really? Um, and they, they live in America. They're American. I mean, they bought nano.org, which I asked them how much it costs. They didn't tell me it costs a lot of money. You know, they gave me a little bit of attitude and then I just gave them props for buying it. Cause that is actually pretty impressive. Like that must've cost a lot. I can't even imagine. I don't even know what number it is. That's why I was curious. That's why I asked them. <laughs> I was like, how much did this cost you? And they just started giving me shit, you know? <laughs> um, and then the price plummeted. But that's besides the point. They control the majority of the nodes. There's no incentive to run nodes. They make no money running it. And they just... I already think there's an... There's a little bit of an issue with Bitcoin nodes for the fact that you don't make any money running a Bitcoin node. Why do you say there's, that? There's no way to solve that because of because of Sybil attacks. Um, Why would you want to make money running a node? Running a node, the purpose of running a node is proving that. Right, right. And you have that value prop. But yeah. the thing is, if you have no fees, it gets even worse, is my point, right? So my point is, my point is that if you have no fees... And you're running a nano node, it's just gonna get more and more and more expensive, and you're just not gonna run one. And they already control the majority of the network. So, like, the chances you can't, re it's really difficult to take a centralized network and then make it more decentralized. Like, that's a very, especially if you're based in America. Don't tell Kyle Samani that. Ugh. That's his. That's his. That's his main. That mm. was one of his main tweet threads a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Is these these systems sh should start out as centralized and then decentralized from there. I mean, him and Vinny also told me to sell at two thousand <laughs> and then took credit when they fucking dropped from twenty k. You know, so we're still three x from there at least, depending on what the price is at right now. Uh, we're below seven thousand at ah, six. Look at that six eight eight nine. I just want to say that I don't get stressed out by this anymore. My wife does. The numbers are way bigger for me now. I mean, yes, they are for everybody. My dad stresses me out a bit. You know, we're still pretty young. You know, does your dad know how much you have? No, nobody knows how much I have. My dad is the one person who knows how much I have because I've should not have told. Don't tell your dad how much Bitcoin you have. Don't tell anyone how much. Control your own keys. Don't tell them, Don't tell anyone how much Bitcoin you have. Don't tell any of your friends how much. Don't, try not to tell anyone that you own any Bitcoin. I already screwed this up. Marty already screwed this up. I actually don't own any Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah neither do I. <laughs> and the thing is, is like now that we did it, we have to. We might as well sacrifice our opsec for your benefit. But because there's so much unsubstantial. See, the key is people say like, don't say fud. There's a lot of unsubstantiated fud. You know, and that is what we try and dispel. We should call it UFUD. No one calls it UFUD. UFUD. I like um, that. I like regular that FUD is fine. Like, you should be scared a lot of the time. <laughs> like, this is experimental. Like, be scared, especially if you're invested in altcoins and, and, and especially some of these ICOs and, and tokens. So I get a lot of shit in this office. People are like, hey, Matt Brown, lose little protege, my, my partner in crime on Team Light Switch. He came out and was like, dude, I'm about to fucking ball tap you looking at the Bitcoin price today. I'm like, well, I told you not to go all in. But of course, nobody listens, but they blame you anyway. I'm like, I told, I literally, at first, that piece of advice I've given to everybody in this office was dollar cost averaging. Yeah. 200 bucks a, uh, every two weeks, depending on how much you get paid. Like l less than a pack of cigarettes. Just do a pack of cigarettes. Yeah, you know, like that, and of course. That's why I did the ten dollars because we're in New York, so that's you know fifteen bucks. Yeah, fifteen, sixteen bucks. Don't smoke cigs. 
It's not <laughs> worth it. Um, buy Bitcoin. Buy Bitcoin. Um, not financial advice. But that's a, it's, it, it plays into the psychological realm of the space. Is like people just can't avoid the FOMO. It's like, oh my God, it's going to take off. We're going, well, I we're believe going. in the FOMO. That's one of the reasons I'm invested in the space. <laughs> um, the FOMO is real. I mean, it's undeniable. I mean, it's funny because like in 2013, like the whole way up to 1200, I shilled the shit out of it. And then I had this one girl who was like a close friend of mine. Like she bought the top. Like she literally the day of she bought it. She <laughs> tanked the price. I told her, you have to sell, otherwise they're not going to go up, you know? Moral of the story, she never sold. She's doing pretty well right now. Um, but the thing is, when we went up this year, and when we went up in 2000, like the end of 2016, early 2017, I didn't, I wasn't shilling it to any of my friends because they all, like, freaked out on me. I can't say the same thing. They freaked out on me. Well, I, I was when I was getting drunk. I mean, I, I was, I was... I tried to reduce my shill factor and then I actually got people that gave me shit when we were at 15k. Why didn't you tell me to buy it? And I was like, dude, I've been talking about it for <laughs> five years now. Every time I get drunk, I tell you to buy it, you know? Um, so you just can't win. You can't win. You just try and educate people as much as possible. You try and stop the UFUD. Um, I'm a big believer that spreading FUD is almost as it, it's almost as bad when you just tweet out things that are just like PR releases that say the word blockchain in them. <laughs> That's not news. Like there's so many bullish things to talk about. Like I can't even believe that we still have futures, that we have futures all of a sudden, you know, regulated future products. And then we have Square, you know, allowing you to easily buy Bitcoin. And then we have Robinhood, even though it's not a bearer instrument, making it very easy for no fee purchases to get some exposure. Um, there's so much bullish news. And then people talk about bullshit on Twitter and then they get like 200 likes. And I'm like, dude, that's just bullshit. Like that well, doesn't even matter, you know? Separating the wheat from the chaff, you know? It's yeah. like, it's... Oh. Well, that it, it forces people to learn, you know, like, it, like you got to think for yourself in the space. Like, that's the most important thing I've learned over the last five years is like you will like I've accumulated a list of people in crypto that I follow. And any given day, there is 17 conflicting views on the list. And that's what you come to, well, that's come what to I find like crypto Twitter about, because because you build up your reputation but you can just destroy it in a second. Yes. You know, and it's I a, think this is a this game is a long term reputation game. But that's a it's the free market of reputation. You know, it's easier to hide to hide amongst other media platforms than it is for Twitter. Like if you if you make some questionable calls, you decide to pump an ICO, you decide like Richard Hart, you know, you decide to freak <laughs> out and then try and pump your own altcoin like no one's ever going to forgive you for that and that's important like i feel like that's important um and that's like that's another skin in the game aspect of this is like your reputation is in the game in this space and that's why i'm extremely skeptical and conservative of anything outside of bitcoin because bitcoin's the only blockchain that's proven to do what it market said it will do and that's enables peer-to-peer -peer censorship resistant transactions and nobody else has come close to meeting their marketing spiel uh, other than Monero, I would say, but well, and that's like one thing I'm extremely careful of is not pumping other shit because yes, it might be, it might be 
like the popular thing to do at the time, but this is a long term game and you can get your shit pushed in like pretty easily. Like if if you have like I a mean, market downturn like we are now. Like fucking everybody every crypto hedge fund manager pumping ICOs last summer, like sorry. Like your reputation is ruined. Ian yesterday? Ian today actually. Who? He, Ian Bellina? Diarrhea Main Man, the guy who tweets his block folio thing of all the ICOs. I don't follow that guy. Diary- oh, so I like to, I like to follow like the bad actors as well because uh, I don't even know who he is. I think it's important to to keep track of them and to call them out. Um, Mr. Chach, do you know Mr. Chach? No. So Mr. Chach is a, a Twitter account. I've never met him in person. Dope guy. I like him a lot. He has a deleted Twitter deleted tweets account called uh, Crypto Delete Bot. Oh, really? And he, like, tracks, like, mostly traders um, that are likely to delete their tweets. And then he has some, like, kind of outside Bitcoin people, too, like uh, Malwaretech, who's the guy who got framed for the WannaCry. Um, but, but, but he's got all these different accounts. And when they delete a tweet, he posts, like, his bot automatically posts the screenshot. And Ian Bellina, like, made a big name on ICOs, um, shilling ICOs. And the thing is, if you have 100K followers... And you take a low market cap ICO and you just tweet it out, you automatically make money. It's just free money. Like you can post some bullshit chart; it doesn't matter. Yeah, like that, that price is going to go up. You just it doesn't just take sell much those, volume just to push sell that on shit them. up. And he tweet he deleted like thirty tweets today. Really? You know, and the internet doesn't forget. Like that doesn't archive.com.org never forgets. And you can uh, actually get that removed. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean. Maybe it's because he got fucking subpoenaed. Like that—that's a good. I don't think he's American, so maybe not. The SEC can go after people outside of America. But he pissed off a lot of people, yeah. and 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 he was taking like easy, you know, he was getting like easy buy-ins like early with like really big discounts and just chilling the shit out of it. And you know, it comes it comes back to to bite you in the ass. Well, I don't know if what I said is just true. Can the SEC go after people outside the U.S.? Is it I if they the harm US U.S. investors? The U.S. can just do whatever they want. Yeah, if they're American investors. I mean, Tezos right now, right? So Tezos is the big one. They're getting sued by American investors for misleading them. And they forbade Americans from investing, (laughs) right? So, like, that's, I mean, honestly, like, come on, people. Like, you're giving them shit for selling you... They what what she did you remember that she said she called it uh, tote bags tote bags Brightman yeah you you know you were buying tote bags but that's what Ethereum's ICO was like that's what you have to do you're going around regulations everyone knows you're going around regulations like don't be a little bitch if like the thing you were going around regulations with like doesn't work out and you're an American you weren't even allowed to participate and like you're gonna fucking sue them like that's kind it's kind of a bitch move you know. Yeah, you sort of set yourself up for that loss yeah. to begin with. Um, exactly. Like, you should know what you're getting into. Exactly. It's you, your money. You fucking sent it to them. It's a push system. They didn't take it from you. It's a sunk cost at that you point. You know, yeah. Um, like, I'm not supporting ICOs. I, I've told every single person who's asked me not to invest in ICOs, and most of 2017, they were calling me a fucking idiot. You every, know? Everybody, yeah. And yeah. I think now you just can't. You can't just go back and be like, oh, well, that's ridiculous. You took advantage of me, you know? Yeah, and that goes into, like, and that's the tip I'm on. Like, I'm trying to educate people, like, to help people make wiser decisions. And that's an internal debate I go through a lot is, is it possible to 
to stop people from harming themselves? Like, no. Do they have to learn it's these impossible. lessons the hard way? In an unregulated market, we're going to have scams. Free, the free market has no mercy. You know, people are going to lose money. They're going to get, they're going to get creamed. They're going to lose their life's life savings. Like this is, it comes with the territory. You know, that's just, it's unfortunate. You know, like I wish it wasn't the case. And the best that we can do is try and educate. I mean, the only reason I'm on Twitter is because I'm trying to educate people. If I didn't think I, the best thing is, <laughs> I'm afraid of saying this because I, don't be afraid. I don't want to get a bunch of DMs. The best thing on Twitter is the DMs I get saying thank you. Really? Yeah, yeah. I get so many DMs saying, like, thank you, dude. You tell it how it is. Like, this is what I needed to hear. And and it's a, the important thing is the good actors will rise above. They'll, they'll educate. And hopefully we can, we can stop a lot of the harm from happening. But the thing is, free markets have no mercy. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people are going to get fucked and and it's and it's not over. It's it's just beginning. <laughs> like we're going to have so many scam altcoins and so many scam ICOs like it's not even funny. We've we've just we <sighs> tip. It's the tip of the iceberg. We're just playing the tip game right now. <laughs> <laughs> just the tip. We're just reaching the tip. And yeah, yeah. Ah, that that like scares the shit out of me because so many people have been scammed so hard already like how much harder is the world ready to get scammed but i mean to go back i mean i the first scam i tried to really warn people about was ethereum yeah and the reason i got so many hits on that site i mean i said this earlier that that was the most hits i ever got wasn't because they were thanking me it was everyone coming back to say have you seen Ethereum? It's trading at $2. Have you seen Ethereum? It's trading at $4. Have you seen Ethereum? It's trading at $10, you know? Yeah. And I was just taking the facts that I had at the time, and I was like, you're getting a raw deal. You have no idea what the supply cap is going to be. You have no idea what the inflation rate is going to be. We have no idea if the network's going to exist, you know? And now we, we know it exists, and now we know it's worth $400. <laughs> so, like, obviously, in hindsight, like, I wish I bought it at $0.30. Cents, you know, no one's saying that I didn't. Yeah, and it's... It's uh, that's the other that's the other fascinating thing is like like you're alluding to people bringing up class action lawsuits against Tezos. It's interesting to see sort of the learning curve of everybody like yeah we're for free markets like sovereign currencies all that, and then when shit hits the fan they want to fall back to, to yeah you Uncle can't Sam. be for both exactly so. Let's get into that. You can't be for both. Like, what does that mean? What? Like it's your money. That's the beauty of it. We finally have money. That's our money. You know? <laughs> and if you lose it, there's so many people. It goes back to what I said earlier. Like, the hard part isn't buying Bitcoin. The hard part is holding on to your Bitcoin. Yes. You know? Like, there's so many people trying to separate you from your Bitcoin. Let's shout out Michael Bitstein right now. Or Michael Goldstein, excuse me, a.k.a. at Bitstein on Twitter. One of my favorite articles from the Satoshi Nakamoto Institute is his Everyone's a Scammer. And the way he lays it out is incredible. Uh, you got to listen to some old Western theme song while you're reading this article. He lays it out for you. But it's literally like so I have described all coins and uh, FUD as like Ulysses sirens, like the sirens that are trying to call you over and they're eventually exactly. 
they're eventually going to to destroy you. So you have to put a blindfold on, get the crew to tie you to the post so you don't get so you don't get uh drawn to the sirens. It 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 is uh a battle. It's a mental battle. It's very mental and I would I would argue that I'm much more mentally tough than I was in 2013 because of this industry, industry, whatever you want to call it, because of being in, in Bitcoin. Um, because you you have a lot of internal battles you go through. Like, am I wrong? Like, how wrong am I if I am wrong? Like, am I right? Like, what are the, the repercussions of being wrong? And now, like you were saying earlier, we've completely destroyed our OPSEC and put ourselves out there in the public and... I feel the stress building more and more. Like every day I write a newsletter, every podcast I put out, like shit, I'm giving out some information that like if I'm wrong, a lot of people are going to be pissed at me. And that's a risk I'm willing to take right now because I truly, I believe I have a fundamental understanding of this stuff that most people don't and I'm willing to step on that branch and say I think I'm right. So how do we wrap this conversation up? Where do we end it? Do we have a piece of advice for everybody what? I think you should just dollar cost average Bitcoin. This is not financial advice. We are not your financial advisors. Um, I think I think Bitcoin goes up in price as adoption increases. Yes. As the halvings happened, they also decrease supply and lead to more extreme increases. Yes. And every time Bitcoin falls in price, the Bitcoin transfers from so-called weak hands to stronger hands and those strong hands have no intention of selling anytime soon nope and we end up in a supply shock situation where you we're going to hit the bottom and when when this sentiment turns you're not going to expect it it's just going to hit you out of nowhere and we're going to go up and you're going to deny it and all the bears are going to lose a shit ton of money they're going to lose a shit ton of money trying to short it and just there's a bunch of bears that just gave up in the most recent run. Yeah. Well, because they just got hit. They were like, I'm shorting this out of $1,200 and they just got fucked. Well, the bear whale is a perfect example. The dude market well, 300, but he did all right. He made like 30 mil or something like That's that. That's true. He probably was able to buy back, but not as many Bitcoin. I mean, I, I, I hope he didn't buy back. Like, I hope he just like was like, I'm done with it. Like, if you're going to do that, just like be done with it. Like, don't, <laughs> Like, I hope he didn't FOMO buy back in at, like, 17K, you know? Like, I'll, I'll excuse him if he just, like, took his 30 mil and was just like, I'm satisfied with that. I'm just going to live my life, never talk about Bitcoin again. No, I, I agree with that as well. And my but advice... I wouldn't do that. My advice would be learn. Learn as much as you can. Yeah, argue with people. Argue with people. I have to pee more than I've ever had to pee in my life. He's literally shaking back and forth. I, um... Matt, where we can... Where can we find out more about you? Just go to my Twitter, twitter.com slash Matt under dash Odell. It's not great. Uh, He's got incredible tweets. Uh, Marty's gonna, Marty retweets me all the time. If you follow Marty, you probably already follow me, to be honest. <laughs> you know? And uh, I, this is a great podcast. I fucking love this podcast. I hope to be on again soon. You definitely will be on Hopefully again. then they won't put us in the merch closet because it'll be like 25K a coin, 30K a coin. Yeah, we'll, we'll be, we'll be in the new it. studios. Barcel's looking for new there offices because we're expanding too fast. You can find me at yeah. Marty Ben on Twitter. Subscribe to my newsletter, Marty's Bent. Yeah, do that. If you like this podcast, please rate it. Leave a review. Reviews really help. Am. So if you like it, please give us five stars. Um, and that's all we have for this week, freaks. Peace and love.
Love you guys. Buy Bitcoin.